Well, tomorrow we start our, our three-week uh, consecration, and so this January we always do a topic on consecration to kind of get us uh, moving in the right direction. I started it on a kind of Tuesday night, but we want to draw close to God. We want to draw near to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are in a situation in this year that there is so much that is unknown. There is so much that we think we know, but the year could turn out so differently. But one thing we do know, he holds the future. Amen. He holds my future. He holds your future. Anything that we have submitted to him, it can't be lost. Amen. Joshua told the people in uh, Exodus, he said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. This is when they had come up to Mount Sinai after traveling for a month and a half out of Egypt, and they had come to the borders of, of, of Mount Sinai, and he told them something that had never happened was going to happen. God was going to come down on the mountain. So he said, consecrate yourselves that you will be able to participate in this. I want to miss out nothing that God has for me. I want to make sure that I am ready, that I'm able to be used. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things. Wouldn't that be something? Despite what's going on, God can do amazing things in our lives. What's going on in the world may be crazy. They may think, what are you wasting a Sunday morning coming to church? But you know what? I'm consecrating myself. In other words, I'm separating myself. Because I want God to do amazing things. And he has. He has. I want more though. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to start uh, this week on, on pulling down strongholds. We got some strongholds that we need to pull down. Amen. Amen. We have some strongholds that we need to pull down. There's some things that I want to come out of 2023 different. Amen. I want to have made some progress. I don't want at the end of 2023 to be looking back and said, man, I'm at the same place I was. I want to have made some progress. I want to have gained some strength. I want to have a deeper relationship. I want to have achieved something for God. I was thinking to myself uh, the last two days, you know, because as I get older, I get more, um, I don't want to say lazy, but... Um, I need to motivate myself some more, you know, because I know that God has given some things uh, for me to do and I need to just do them. Sometimes we procrastinate, but we need to, uh, to do some things God wants. And you know, the way to do that is just like David. I'm, in speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself. David encouraged himself. So this morning, I want you to encourage yourself. God has got a plan for your life. God has got some things he wants you to do. Amen? And so we need to go into 2023 on full charge. Most of you plug in your phone before you go to bed. You know why? In the morning, you want a full charge. You you hate to, to come out and then find that, oh man, I forgot to plug it in and now I'm going to go through the day and no one will be able to get to me. You know, you see how uh, things have changed from 30 years ago? <laughs> 30 years ago, there used to be little boxes all over the, the street. You had to go and drop your quarter in to, to make a call. Now, if we forget our phone, boy, that's <laughs> it's devastating. 
Amen. But we need to do the same thing with God. We need a full charge. This is our plug-in station today. Through your worship, through the word, we're getting a charge that hopefully will take us through this week. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 10.3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. For the weapons of our warfare. What are these weapons? They're spiritual. They're not fights you can win with your fist. It's not even fights you can win so much with your words. The only way you're going to win this is through his words. Amen. Jesus told uh, Satan, he says, look, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Those are the words that we need. Amen. If it's getting a little warm, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it down. I see some people fanning themselves. It's a bit hard sometimes to get the temperature right in here, but we will, we will do something about that. Amen. Um, but God has given us the ability to win. Did you know that? He has given us the ability to win. Amen. It says, for they are mighty through God. Not through me, not through any of us, but through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I was try- on my way to church here and I was kind of talking to myself and I was really making some excuses. <laughs> Lord, I haven't been uh, as, as giving you as much time as I wanted to. And it was like the Lord said, yeah, because you've been doing other things. But Lord, we were having a conversation. But Lord, I've got this other job I got to do. And I was making all these excuses. I said, the Lord just said, no, this three weeks put me first. Put me first. As Elijah said to the widow woman, I want you to bake a cake and give it to me first. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let this conversation I had with the Lord, I'm, I'm letting you hear it. God is saying, if you will put me first in these next three weeks, amen, you will, your, your barrel of, of, of oil, of, of, of uh, flour will never be empty, and your cruise of oil will never be dry. Amen. The famine in Elijah's time was for three and a half years, amen. So for the next three and a little bit of weeks... We can put God first, give him the cake first, amen? See, we, we slice up our time and we, 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 we say, oh, we got to do this, got to do that. And there is so much that can crowd out our relationship with God because there's so much I would really like to do that I have been kind of putting on the shelf. And I know I'm saying this and my wife is here, so she's going to hold me to it. Amen. Amen. The start... The start of consecration is first drawing near. Drawing near. Isaiah 58 verse 6 says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? Why do we fast? We're going to go into that today uh, quite a bit. What is the use of fasting? Well, it's not to, to make God do anything. Let me just say it. It doesn't make God do anything. Fasting is for us. And actually, fasting in the Old Testament was actually a sign of mourning, a sign of 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 um, uh, people who were troubled and needed something. And so, when we fast, we're humbling ourselves and we're acknowledging that we need something. 
It says, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? We were talking about uh, the, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. Well, one of the weapons is humbling ourselves through fasting. To undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that he break every yoke. So we start in this consecration and we have have put out many different types of fasts. Maybe uh, some of you can uh, fast. I said I was going to fast from news, which for me would be a a big thing. Amen. So come tomorrow morning, I'm going to be turning off those those news reports because, you know, all they're telling us is stale anyway. The Bible already said that what was going to happen. It says to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that he break every yoke. You see, in Jesus' time, when Jesus was there, the disciples were not fasting and they got criticized because Jesus was making a point and giving us an explanation about the nature and the purpose of fasting. So they were criticizing his disciples and they said, well, John's disciples fast, the Pharisees fast twice a week. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, the Pharisees fasted. Absolutely. But Jesus told them, listen, don't, don't worry about that. The days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. Then, they sh- they sh- then shall they fast in those days. Jesus was saying that while he was in the flesh with them, there was not a need to fast. Because he was meeting their every need. Anytime they had a need, they just went to him in the flesh. But when he was taken away, then they would be in a more... When, they, when he was crucified, do you think the disciples were sad? Of course they were. They were in a mournful state. They said they were perplexed. They didn't know what they were going to do. It says, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall, then shall they fast in those days. So we're going to look at why do we fast? What is the point of it? Well, there's many physical good things about fasting. But we're not even going to touch any of those today. We're looking at the spiritual aspects of fasting. Here it is again. Then came to him the disciples of John saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn? Now this is really giving an explanation. Fasting is really mourning. Right? It's it, What we're doing is we're showing in mourning that we want to be present with the Lord. Fasting is really putting ourselves in a, a state where we are acknowledging we want out of here. We want to draw near to the Lord. Do you see what I'm trying to say? While he was with them, they didn't have to fast. When he was gone from them, it was a sign to draw near because he was not there. Then shall they fast. And the other reason why we should fast, whether we understood it or not, why should we fast? Even if we didn't have an explanation, even if there wasn't good reason that we could understand, why should we fast? That's right. Because Jesus said so. As I told you when growing up, my kids accused me of, of being a little bit dictatorial. And so when uh, I remember on my 53rd birthday, they gave me a T-shirt, and I told you about this, and it said, they had it specially made, it said, because I say so. (laughs) I don't think I was that bad, 
But that's that's how they appeared to them. So they gave me this T-shirt that said, because I say so. And I don't remember saying that too many times. You know, sometimes we ask questions and uh, we don't really can truly understand the answers. And so sometimes God says, because I say so. Because I say so. You got to eat my flesh and drink my blood because I say so. But why God? When we're children, we, we want to say why, isn't it? But why? That little whiny voice. But why? As Christians, let not us be that whiny. Let's not get into that whiny aspect, right? But if God says it, then I just need to do it. Because Jesus said so. Amen. And of course, at the beginning of his ministry, as I outlined on on Tuesday night, he set the example. He did not start his ministry, just go out and start preaching. But he started with a time in the wilderness. We're all going to have to have that wilderness time where we consecrate ourselves. We can't just get up and go unconsecrated or defiled. Because that's what Samson tried to do. And once his hair had been cut off, and he said, the Bible says, he shook himself, now I will arise at other times. But now he'd been defiled. He had lost his strength. And you know what happens when you go try to fight the devil when you're not ready? <laughs> He'll beat you up. <laughs> he will beat you up. If you're not fighting with the Lord behind you, he will beat you up. So we want to be ready. So one of the things we see, and I've taught, is truly... When God created us in Genesis, he gave those commands and he said, have dominion. But when man, through obeying Satan, the Bible says, to whom you yield yourself to obey his servant, you are. You become a servant of Satan. And this flesh is not redeemable. That's why death entered the world. Jesus, uh, sorry, in Genesis it said, God said, lest he put forth his hand and eat of the tree of life and live forever. In this body that is corrupted, that is not always under our control. We all get mad, don't we? (laughs) It's just a matter of degree. We all get frustrated. We all get frustrated. And and I used to be good at hiding it, but I can't hide it anymore. (laughs) You know, we put on that face. And you see that face and you say, okay, I, know, I need to avoid. Don't just go over there right now. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to be involved in conversation. Amen. Right. Satan has dominion as much as we hate it of this flesh. And we have Bible for that. In Romans, Paul says, listen, I see a war going on. I see a war going on. And he says, the, the, the flesh is enmity with God. If we live in the flesh, we're going to lose that war. It's enmity of God. And, and Paul goes to say, and it cannot be subject to the law of God. It's not subject to the law of God. That's why we have to try and kill it every day. I have to consciously make a decision and talk to myself and say, no, I can't, I can't react that way. I, gotta, I, gotta, I can't give in to the way I'm thinking, Right? Because I'm flesh. If I, if I entertain that thought, before you know it, it's developed into something else. So Satan does have dominion. And that's why this body is ultimately going to turn to dust. But God said, let not your heart be troubled. 
I've gone away to prepare a place. In my father's house are many mansions. And as I've said, he only took seven days to make the first creation. He's been gone for 2,000. Can you imagine the, the second creation, what it's going to look like? Amen. I have not seen nor ear heard what God has got prepared for them that what? Love him. Do you love him this morning? You know what? I believe you do. I believe you do, else you would not be here. So Satan has dominion of the body. And again, we can illustrate that very clearly. When Noah came out of the ark in in Genesis 8, he said three of the four things. Multiply, submit, have, but no have dominion. That was gone. That was gone. Because God knew, he said in Genesis 8, that man's heart now was what? Evil from his youth. From his youth, we had lost that Shekinah glory. We had lost that spiritual covering, and that's why Jesus came, Amen. So as to give us a new body. When we come to Him, the old creation is passed away. All things are made new. Now we don't see it yet. In Hebrews, it says you don't see everything put in subjection under Him yet. It's not seen yet. The, the tree has been cursed, but you don't see it shrivel up yet. But it's happening. It's happening. You just have to wait a little bit. You just have to wait a little bit. And you'll see that the, the word has already gone forth. And it won't return void. Amen. In Luke chapter 4 verse 1. And now Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan. And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it's just amazing how God puts all of these little things together. Because where he went to the Jordan to be baptized, was the same place where 2,000 years before, sorry, yeah, about 2,000 years before, symbolically, the children of Israel had been baptized. It was the same place just over by Jericho that they had crossed over with water on each side and the cloud above them. And so Jesus went back to the same place. John was baptizing right there over by Jericho, the same place. See how God puts this together? To show he's writing this book. It's not, it's not something a man could have arranged. He put it together. And so after he was baptized, then he went into the Holy, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. He was going to go through that wilderness. Even Jesus in his flesh went through a wilderness experience. And I don't know about you, sometimes it just feels that way, right? But nevertheless, don't give up because Jesus made it. Amen. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterwards hungered. Amen. And the devil said to him, if thou be the son of God. See, as I've said so many times, Satan is going to challenge who you are. He's not going to let you skate because you now say, oh, I'm a child of the king. He'll say, prove it. Prove it. If thou be a son of God. Here's this little temptation. It's harmless. It, it's harmless. It's not going to cause you any problem. You have the power. You can, you can command this stone to be made bread. If thou be a son of God. You see, Jesus had fasted. He was prepared for this battle. He was prepared for this battle. And that's what we're trying to do in the next three weeks. We need to be prepared for the battle. If I told you go and fight this army, you'd say, okay, fine, but where's the weapons? 
Where's my flak jacket? Where's my, my army gear? Where's my, my, where's my machine gun? You wouldn't want to go out there and fight with your bare hands. No, we have to be prepared for the battle. Before this temptation came to the pinnacle, Jesus had been fasting. He had gone through a wilderness experience. So fasting, of course, weakens the body. It does. It does, no doubt. It weakens the body, and therefore it diminishes, diminishes his dominion. Remember, he has this body. And so fasting weakens the dominion. Now, let me just be honest with you. I hate to fast. <laughs> I hate to fast. Food is my comfort. <laughs> just being honest with you. Amen. But in the next three weeks, I need, to, I need to, to, to weaken his dominion. I need to weaken his dominion. I need to be in mourning. You know why? Because I want to be present with the Lord. I want him to be here. Jesus said we would fast when he was absent. Because fasting is actually a period of mourning. It's putting yourself in a, a godly sorrow. And what does the Bible say about godly sorrow? That's right. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. And part of drawing near to God is repenting. Is repenting. We have to, we're not perfect. We're so far from perfect. Amen. That's why in Genesis he already discounted the ability of us in our own flesh to be perfect. He said, for man's thoughts are evil continually from a baby, from a youth. Amen. So fasting fights his control. Fights his control. Because if you've noticed, every major temptation started in the garden with food. Didn't it? Hey, look at that. Doesn't that look good? You know what that will do? It will make you be like God. It's funny that the devil used food as the very first temptation. Did he really say you couldn't eat of that? Did he really say that? It, it's strange. And he comes to, to Jesus with the same thing. But this time it didn't work. Man shall not live by bread. I can honestly tell you that when I look back on my life, my, especially my ad, adult life, I know that it has only been God. It's only been his miraculous power where he's kept me from disaster so many times. Where I've turned to him and cried out and he's, he's showed up. Amen. That's, it's not boasting when I say I walk on water, but it's because he's taken me through the storm. He's taken me, and to look at me, you wouldn't know that. But I'm, I'm just declaring to you God's goodness and his mercy and his grace. Amen. Amen. Fasting is there to break the yoke. We read that scripture in Isaiah 58, 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. It seems amazing that something like denying yourself food or denying yourself something could have that effect. But what it's doing is taking you into a supernatural realm. Because it's not natural. It's natural to go and do whatever your flesh wants you to do to please yourself. Most of the time you can work out people's motivations way ahead of time. You know why? Just figure out what's best for them. That's what they're going to do. 
right? You can, you can know, you, people are very predictable if you, if you understand human nature. People do what's best for them, not what's best for you. So Lot, which piece of land would you like? You think he was going to choose the mountains with the rocks? Oh no. Even though his uncle was, was Abraham and was his elder, he, he, he did what was best for him. He thought. He saw the well-watered plains. The river valley with it would look so verdant and green. See, people always choose what's best for them. It's a rare individual will choose what's best for you. And that's what Jesus did. He said he didn't came to be served, but to be a servant. He didn't come. He chose what was best for us. And he was able to do that by starting off his ministry with a fast. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that he break every yoke? See? Break every yoke. That's what, when we draw near to God, he promised he would do what? Draw near to us. He would draw near to us. The next thing that fasting does, it, it elevates us into, as I said, a supernatural because it's not a natural thing when you're hungry to deliberately choose not to eat. Amen. Mark nine twenty seven. As we quoted this scripture on, on Tuesday, and, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto him, this kind, say this kind, can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. There's some kind that are resistant, will want to fight you. That's the strongholds that the Bible speaks about. To, to break those strongholds, they, they don't just want to come out uh, by you doing a, a one-time prayer. This is something that you have to be continually living in. Amen? This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Fasting puts your faith on another level because it is also intertwined with faith. And I didn't want to give the impression that you didn't need faith. You just go through this and everything. No, you still need faith. You have to believe in what God's word is saying. But all of these things work together. The Bible says weapons, plural. We don't have one weapon. We don't just have prayer. We have fasting. We have consecration. Amen. We have God's word. Amen. But by prayer and fasting, it elevates us to a spiritual dimension where we are walking not by the flesh because the flesh wants to eat. The flesh wants to drink in all this bad news stuff. The flesh wants to be in social media. See what's going on. You know, I got to find out what's the latest thing. What's who's who's. Who's saying this over there and over there? You know, we, the flesh wants to be fed. And whatever we starve it of puts us in a different dimension. Amen? Puts us in a different dimension. So in Nehemiah, let's look at, uh, we've talked about it. Now let's look at, in the Old Testament some examples. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 1, if you remember at this time, Israel had been uh, taken captive by Babylon and had been in Babylon for just over... 70 years. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the palace. Now, Nehemiah happened to be the king's cupbearer, which in those days was a very 
high office. That Hanani, one of my brethren, came, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. Now, when uh, Babylon fell and Cyrus took over and Darius took over, Cyrus had allowed a, a first wave of Jews to be let go. So the, a bunch of Jews had gone back to Jerusalem, but they had gone back to a very destitute city and, and, and land. And so they were just barely surviving. And so word came back some years later from uh, one of the Jews that was there. And he said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. Remember what I said fasting is about? It's about mourning. Fasting is putting yourself in What is it you want God to do this year? What is it you want God to do? What? Let me say it again because I want you to think. Because when we put ourselves in a state of mourning and longing, there are many times I personally just say, Lord, I just want you to come and fix all of this. I'm tired of it. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> That's my prayer. He may not answer that right away. But there's many times I just say, Lord, just, just, just take me out of here. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. You know, if I start to think, and maybe you're all in the same boat of everything you got to do tomorrow morning, right? If I start to look at my list and think about all the, the things I have to deal with, again, I might want to just shut the door and stay in my room. But fasting and, uh, and, and, and consecration puts us in a, a state of mourning. And as I said, the Bible says, godly sorrow worketh repentance. So we see now that the word had come back to Nehemiah about the state of the first captives that had gone back to Jerusalem. And because they, they lived now with no wall and no city, all of the people around them were mocking them and they were barely making it. Sometimes we're barely making it. Anyone can, can, can understand barely making it? And so this put Hannah, um, a Nehemiah in a, in a state of mourning. He was in a, an elevated position, although he was not a Babylonian or a Persian. He had been elevated in the, to the king's retinue. He was his chief cupbearer. And he had life good. He, didn't, he could have just ignored all of that and said, well, you know, I've got it good. I don't need to worry about this. But here's what he did. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. And mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Because he didn't even know what to do. He, didn't, he, he, he was this one person in the king's court. And you've got thousands of people in a city that is... He probably had no idea what was going to happen or how this was going to work. But you know how God works in mysterious ways. The king noticed his countenance, that he was mourning and that he was maybe fasting. And he said, what's up? What's going on? And this gave Nehemiah the opportunity to explain his situation. The king probably didn't even really think about it because the Babylonian or the Persian Empire at that time was vast. 
It covered the then known world. He, he was ruler of many different nations. So these few Jews in Jerusalem had probably never even come to his notice. But now Nehemiah, he saw his cupbearer, his chief cupbearer, and he saw that he, his countenance was in mourning. The point I'm making, God is looking for us to want him to be in our lives. He's not going to come and intrude unless you really want him to show up. When we fast, when we're in a state and we want him to come in. The Bible says about the Jews that their, their tears and their cries has finally come up before me. That's what he said to Moses. It's time for them to come home. And here we have Nehemiah praying and fasting and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love and observe his commandments. And we see what happens that the king saw that he was fasting. And you know what he did? He gave him a command and he gave him the finances and he elevated him to be in charge and said, you go back. Here's all the money you need. Here's letters to all the governors. Tell them to provide you with everything you need. Nehemiah had no clue, had no plan to do this. All he was doing was crying out to God and saying, Lord, help my people. Open a door. He didn't, he had no way of even visualizing how this was going to work out. I'm sure what happened was a total, complete surprise. Because even if the, the king had said, okay, well, if you want to go help them go, that would have been useless. He would have needed resources. He would have needed authority. In those days, the Persian and Babylonian kings, their title was not king. It was king of kings. King of kings. Because they were over, over 128 different provinces. So the, the king gave him a writ that made him, just like Joseph, anything he wanted, every other king was supposed to give it to him. He said, you can go to the forest, the, the, the chief of the, the, over my forest, and any wood or material you want, you just re requisition it. You see what fasting did? He didn't even know where to begin. Sometimes we're in a position where we don't even know what the answer is. We don't even know what to ask God for. We don't even know how to begin to ask him because it looks so big. It looks so impossible. But God, nothing is impossible. We see so many other examples how a time of consecration and fasting can completely change the situation. Probably the most famous one, which you all remember, of course, is the, in the book of Esther, where Haman, that wicked uh, man had decided he wanted to carry out the devil's plan to exterminate all the Jews. This has always been the devil's plan. You know why, of course? Because he was trying to stop the birth of the Messiah. Because as soon as that command was given in Genesis 3.15 that through the seed of the woman was going to come someone, was going to crush your head, Satan hated the human race. And then when he found out which, which tribe, he said, well, I don't have to kill everybody, just these Jews. So Haman came up with this plan on a certain day. He got the king to give this edict. Again, remember the king in those days, the Babylonian empire was so vast, he probably had no idea who these Jews particularly were because they, they ruled the then known world. And he had given permission for Haman to, to spin his plot because he had lied to the king. And it looked hopeless. 
What are you going to do now? The king has already given his word. It can't be rescinded. He's already written the edicts to all of these provinces that on the 13th of Adar, the Jewish month, you can, you can rise up and kill all these people. It looked hopeless. And Haman said unto the king Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed amongst the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all the people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's profit to suffer them and to allow them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay uh, 10,000 talents of silver. He was going to fund it. You can tell that's the devil. Why would you pay to have some people you don't even know kill? That was satanically inspired. And I will pay 10,000 of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into thy king's treasures. So he told the king, there's some pesky people who've been causing trouble. They, they, they don't worship our gods. They, they don't even love you. Uh, I'll get rid of them for you. Not only that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay into the treasury 10,000 talents of silver. So the king just said, fine, go, go at it. But what I'm telling you is that consecration can break every chain. Consecration can break every chain. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes. In the Old Testament, that was a sign of mourning. Remember what I said fasting principally is? It's a sign of mourning. When we fast from whatever it is we're fasting, what we are showing is that we are not with what's going on. I'm not down with what's going on. I'm not supporting what's going on. I want out of here. I want to be with the king, of, the true king of kings and lord of lords. And put on sackcloth with ashes and went out in the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry. When we cry to God with a loud and a bitter cry, I've done that. I don't know about you. I can specifically remember a couple times I went way down in the basement, laid on the carpet and cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, listen, if you don't show up, this is not going to end well. (laughs) But I can tell you this. He has never ever failed me. Ever, ever, ever. Ever, ever. And I keep boasting about him, not me. Amen. So you know what happened that he, 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 he sent a letter to his niece, his adopted niece. Then Esther bade them return to Mordecai with his answer. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sack, sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. And then he, he sent a message to his niece. And then Esther replied. Then Esther bade them return. Mordecai this answer. This was not in her benefit. She, she was the queen. She was probably, maybe, going to be safe. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, which was the capital. And fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink. And my maidens will fast. Likewise. And so will I go unto the king. Which is not according to the law. But if I perish, I perish. Now that is a made up mind. 
When God sees your made-up mind, when you determine, and you have to make this choice, that you're going to enter into this three-week season of consecration with one purpose, to draw close to God, to get some strength for this year, to be able to withstand what undoubtedly will be some tribulation. Because the Bible says in this life, one certain thing is certain. You're going to have tribulation. And nobody's immune to it. You could be rich, you're going to have tribulation. You can be poor, you're going to have tribulation. Amen. The devil doesn't make exceptions. He's not partial to who you are. As long as you claim to be uh, his child, God's child, he's coming after you. And so I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. The law of the Persians and the Medes was that you could not go and see the king within a month period if you had just seen him unless he asked for you. No matter who you were. No matter who you were. And one of the reasons for that, of course, was that in those days, he was the absolute power, right? So today, if you wanted to get something done, you'd go to your local politician. But if, you, if there was only one person for millions of people, you can imagine how many people wanted to see the king. So this was one way of keeping the numbers down, knowing that only if it was so important that you were willing to risk your life, then you would have second thoughts about, I'm not sure if I want to go and bother him with this. You know, Farmer Jones stole my pig. I don't think I want to go and... Because he may not hold out the scepter to me. (laughs) So this was a means to keep the number of people bothering the king down. So you would only go to the king unbidden if it was something you were willing to risk your life. Now, if they did that with the courts, the courts would be pretty empty, right? Okay, if you come with this lawsuit and you lose, you die. (laughs) That would stop a lot of frivolous uh, lawsuits, I'm sure. So this was the reason why they had this. So, But she was willing because it wasn't so much for her, but she said, if I perish, I perish. But first, I need to be prepared. I want everyone to fast and pray with me about this thing. And I will go before the king. And it was so... When the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court. What I want you to envisage today is as we go before the Lord that he will see us standing in the court. And as we go through this fasting and prayer that God will, I believe, hold out the scepter. The king held it out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. We want answers to prayer this year. We want deliverance in our lives. We want strength. Well, the way to do it is through consecration. Consecration. Jesus said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? It shall be given thee to the half of the kingdom. I, um, when I was younger, I don't make that joke now, but I used to tell my wife, You can have half of the kingdom. (laughs) Of course, my kingdom. (laughs) 
My, <laughs> my kingdom was about like maybe this. <laughs> I used to tell her, yeah, you can have half of the kingdom. Have half of the kingdom. See, I'm afraid I wasn't like King Ahasuerus. <laughs> I was not ruler of 128 provinces. But anyway, I offered her whatever I had. <laughs> you see, God honors faith. God honors faith. And you know the story that on that day the tables were turned. The tables were turned. The king couldn't do anything about the edict he had already issued. But you know what he said? Listen, you guys can defend yourself. I'm going to allow you guys to, to fight back. And in that one day, which they celebrate today as the Feast of Purim, the Jews were able to destroy all their enemies through fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer will turn your enemies to be your footstool. Wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together and to stand for their life. You know what we're doing today? We're gathering together to stand for our life in 2023. To destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault. That's what I want today. In 2023 is when the devil comes against me. I'll have the power and the authority to destroy all of the works of the enemy. Amen. And so the Jew, that became the feast of, of Purim, which Jesus actually uh, in the New Testament celebrated. I'm giving you examples where consecration turned the tables. And I'm giving you the reason why we should do this. Amen. And of course, probably there's so many other examples. We talked on Tuesday night about Jonah, right? And how these wicked, evil people, I call them the ISIS of their day, the, the, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, who they didn't behead people, they just flayed them alive. They skinned them alive and would put them on poles. That was their method of of killing. And you can understand why Jonah ran and said, no, God, you made a mistake. <laughs> As I've said, the way we have to think of it is if God said, I want you to go to testify and preach to ISIS. Any volunteers today? Let's sign you up. <laughs> Anyone want to go preach to ISIS? Especially a couple years ago when they were just beheading people. But that's what God told Jonah. I want you to go preach to ISIS in effect. And of course, so we blame him for running away, but I bet we would have too. But in the end, because of God's mercy, because of his experience fasting, you say, well, when did Jonah fast? I don't think he had anything in the belly of the whale. Did you know that? I don't think he drank anything. He had a forced fast for three days. And Jesus used him as an example. He says, no other sign will be given you except the sign of Jonah. But the greatest revival in the Old Testament is at the preaching of Jonah from the king to the animals. What did they do? Fasted. And although as wicked as uh, Nineveh was, God spared it for 150 years. Destruction did not come to Nineveh when it should because he said less than 40 days, 40 days hence, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. Consecration can move God. Can, can, in the sense of repentance, can change God's plan. He can intervene. 
And in Daniel, we see the same thing happen. Now, one of the fasts that we, we have put on our, our brochure, there's the Daniel fast. We're going to look at that. Daniel was an old man by this time. He had been, now if there's someone in the Bible who could have been mad and bitter and upset with God, Daniel, a young man in his youth at 17, captured by the enemy and no doubt made an eunuch. No doubt made, he could have been so bitter about God, not ever having the ability to marry or have children and being made captive, but that was not Daniel. He did not lose his faith. He didn't shout at God and scream and get mad. And because of that, God used him and elevated him and elevated and gave him some of the greatest revelations in the Old Testament. At the end of the 70 years or coming to the end of 70 years, Daniel was a a Bible studier. He read the book of Jeremiah and he understood by books the number of years wherefore the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. He read Jeremiah's prophecy a hundred years before or 70 years before that, that detailed how long even that they would be in Babylon. So he knew the time was coming up. We should know the time is coming up. If you've been reading the books, but he, because of that, he wanted to be consecrated. He, want to, he wanted to know exactly some more. He was tired of Babylonian real rule and all of their idol worship and all this stuff. He was tired of being under the Persian kings. Verse 3, and I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. You know the reason why Daniel got such Amazing revelations because of this. You want amazing revelations. You want God to speak to you, to give you direction. Well, you have to pick up the phone and talk to him. (laughs) You have to call him. You have to put yourself in the place where he can minister to you. To me, now, there are many great prayers in the Bible, but Solomon's prayer is a great prayer where he dedicates the temple. And you've heard of the prayer of Jabez and, of course, uh, Jesus is praying into, but one of of my favorite prayers is the prayer that Daniel prayed in Daniel 9. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. Now, it's interesting he said this because of all the people in in the whole Bible, there's only two people that there's not even a one negative thing ever said. And that's Enoch and Daniel. In fact, God uses them as an example. He says, if Daniel was here, even his righteousness wouldn't be good enough. So we know that Daniel never had too much to repent of. But listen to his humility. And this is our approach when we pray. I made my confession. The first thing when we want to draw near to God is say, Lord, I've sinned. I am so far from perfect. I've told you before that when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, what did they all say? They didn't say, it's him. (laughs) They didn't all look at Judas. (laughs) That's how some of us are. You know that? (laughs) They all said, is it I? Because in truth, we all could have done it. You said, no, I would never do that. Jesus proved to Peter what you will never do. I will die with you, Jesus. I'm going to die for you. I'll never be. I don't know him. I've never seen him. 
See, we, we got to be careful what we say that we're going to do. The Bible says, let your yea be yea and your amen be. Don't, don't start promising stuff that you can't keep. I mean, I told you my father just say, I'm a, I'm a promising boy. Yeah, I promise to take out the trash. I promise to do. See, we make promises, but we cannot keep them. We cannot keep them. He starts off, first of all, by confessing. O Lord God, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. And here his his great confession. He says, we have sinned. You know what he's doing? He's praying for his people, Israel. I can be so selfish. I want to pray for me. I have enough stuff to ask God for. If I wasn't pastor, my, my selfish nature would probably, my prayer would be nothing but me. But but I have to pray for other people. We have to pray for other people. In this time of consecration, remember to pray for other people. Look around at people you haven't seen. Remember, when Job got his deliverance, it wasn't wasn't his prayer to God or his conversation with God. It was when he did what? Right. Because God already knows what you need. That's okay. The pipes are speaking to us. That means they're warming up. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. He's not just praying for himself. He's praying for his whole nation. And he's mourning because he wants out of here. I want out of here. You know that mega what it thing is about up to a billion again, right? But I tell you, if you were to have it, it wouldn't make you happy. Might make you happy for a little bit, but your life would be so miserable. Your life would be in danger. You know that. Your life would be in great. If, if you live in Milwaukee and everyone knows you just got a million dollars or a billion dollars, your life would, you'd have to change your name. You'd have to give up every, you'd have to leave town. Instead of making you as happy as you think it would be, it would not. You, you should study some of the lotto winners. It's, 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 it's not been the blessing you would think. Here he's confessing to his people, and I'm almost out of time. How did that happen? I'm not even halfway through. But anyway, we see that he, he goes on this fast. And it's all these times of consecration is when he gets these revelations. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, here it is again, was mourning. Fasting is about mourning. It's godly sorrow. It's not about starving yourself. It's, it's because you really deeply feel and want God to do something in your life. And so if you can get that attitude of mourning, then you will be truly in a fast. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine into my mouth. And this is the basis of what we call the Daniel fast. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And I always talk about the fact that suppose he had given up on day 19. Because when the angel comes, he says, from the very first day, you decided I was dispatched. I was told to get on the mission. 
but there was a fight. See, what you have been praying for, God may want to give you, but there is a fight. And I'll put it this way. Are you going to help your angel? Are you going to assist in the fight? Because of Daniel's attitude, the angel said, I had to call for some help. And now I'm here. See, fasting, you see, if we could, if we, God could open our eyes, there are, there is warfare around us. There are spirits that are detailed to destroy your life, that are plotting every day. What could I do to get them out of church? What, I know, I'm going to get so-and-so to come and say this and that and tell this story, and they're going to be so mad. We, we are so blind sometimes to the fact that there is spiritual warfare going around us. And my question is today, are you going to help, help out your angel? You do that by drawing near to God, by making it easier for him to help you. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. In, in, in for himself, he had no reason particularly to fast. He had it good. He was a high official in the court of the, the emperor. But he was not even so much praying for himself but for his people. He was mourning for the situation. We need to mourn for the situation of our city. We need to mourn for the situation of some of our families. We need to mourn for the situation of our relationship with God. That's what we need to do. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hiddekel, and I'm almost finished. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, and whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. And his, the voice of his words were like the voice of a multitude. See, I've never seen an angel, at least not that I can remember, but I have heard God speak to me. And when we draw near to God, he can speak to us. You know, you ever been trying to talk to someone and they're downstairs, you know, uh, we, we did that marriage video some years ago. And one of the things they said was, you know, wives talking to husbands, you know, and they go to the kitchen and they're still talking to them. <laughs> I, what? <laughs> I have to shout out, I can't hear you. <laughs> Don't talk to God from afar. And believe that he's heard you. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. If you could stand, we, I didn't finish this. We're only actually halfway through. But we will be continuing this series this whole month of January. Tomorrow... We would like everyone who is going to participate, pick a fast. Maybe it's something as simple as a fast from negativity. That's hard, actually. But remember what we said on Tuesday night. You've got to first put on that garment of praise. You can choose to praise. The first step in the anointing of the priest was his garments. Not the oil. They first had to put on the holy garments, specially created uniquely for them. God has created garments of praise specially unique for you today. You can choose to choose. You can't choose someone else's attitude. That's a losing fight. But you can choose 
to put on a garment of praise. You can choose to say, I refuse to let the devil make me depressed today. I refuse to let him think he's got me. I refuse to let him think that I'm hopeless. I'm going to put on a garment of praise. I'm going to worship. I'm going to thank God. As I've said so many times, the most important words in Romans 8, 28 is the first three words, right? And we know. Can you say that? And we know. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. If you don't believe the first three words, then the rest of it don't mean anything. But if you can say, and we know, and we know, and we know, and we know, I can tell you, I know. Every time I start telling people the history of this church in the short years, man, I I usually tear up because it, it, it just blows my mind. Some of you can remember when we had the propane heat. We had to do that every service. But look what God has done. Just read the script. Then he said unto me, fear not. I'm telling you, fear not, Daniel. For from the first day, that means from tomorrow even, God is already starting to work. If you have decided to consecrate yourself, he says, fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart, that's the key. We have to set our heart to understand and to chasten. That means the fast, thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. And he went on to say, oh, oh man, greatly. Let's say it, greatly. Beloved. And again, he says, fear not. Peace be unto you. Be strong. And yea, be strong. And and then he came and he strengthened Daniel. That's what we want when we come out of January to be strengthened. Amen. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Help us in this month to draw near to you, Lord God, to not give up. Lord, to put on a garment of praise, to lift up your great and holy name, Lord God. We thank you for your mercy. And Lord, we ask in our second service, Lord God, we are in a garment of praise that we will lift up our hands, that we will thank you for taking us through. Lord, we love you this morning. Let your blessing and your mercy and your grace flow down upon us. We thank you and we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Let's do that right now. Let's give God a a praise offering.